So happy new year to you. We're going to get right into it today. John chapter 13 is where we're going to be. If you brought a Bible with you, get it out, open it up, turn it on to John chapter 13. We're jumping into a new sermon series today called Kingdom Life. And we're going to talk about what life is like in the realm, in the kingdom of God. Now, we don't use the word kingdom a lot anymore. It's kind of a, an, an old word. But the Bible uses the word kingdom. In fact, Jesus himself says that the kingdom of God is here. And the Bible says that God invites everyone to come and live and walk in his kingdom. And so over the next number of weeks, we're going to be talking about what is life like in the kingdom of God. And we're going to use the gospel of John to sort of navigate our way through that. So you may remember that in parts of 2018 and 2019, we were in the Gospel of John. If you're just joining us, we're so glad that you're here. It's great. I would encourage you to pick up a Bible and go back and start reading in John chapter 1 and just read a little bit and find out about Jesus and what John has to say about this guy named Jesus. John has sort of a, a unique role, honestly, in history. You remember John? John is the best friend of Jesus. These guys go everywhere together. They do everything together. They got matching friendship bracelets, like the whole deal. They're connected, John and Jesus. And a number of decades after Jesus dies, John sits down. He sits down to write what it was like to walk with Jesus, what he saw and felt and heard when he was living with Jesus. Because, and he says this in his gospel, he says, because he wants us to believe in Jesus. And so John, for 12 chapters, writes everything that he saw and heard in those three years that he was with Jesus. He tells us stories. He tells us stories like uh, one time they're at a wedding and they run out of the, the, the bridal party ran out of wine. So no problem, Jesus turned water into wine. And it was the greatest wine they had ever had in their life. He tells us another story about one day they're, they're on a hillside and Jesus is preaching. He's just talking to some of his friends and people just keep coming and coming and coming. And before you know it, there's 20,000 people there and they're hungry. And so Jesus feeds 20,000 people with barely enough food that you would feed a family with. John tells us about these guys called the Pharisees. And they hate Jesus. They can't stand Jesus. He's not religious enough for them. John tells us a story about a woman who was caught in adultery, literally caught in the act of adultery. And the town leaders go in and they take her out of a bedroom and they haul her out into the middle of the city and they're going to stone her. And there she is. She's wrapped in nothing more than probably a bed sheet. And they're going to kill her. And Jesus comes on the scene and he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. We're not... We're not doing this. And he shows her grace and mercy. Maybe the best thing that John tells us about Jesus is that Jesus is gentle and he's patient. And he doesn't force himself on anyone. He doesn't force his way into anyone's life. He just simply says, come and follow me and find out what I'm all about and get to know me. And eventually he will say, trust me, believe in me. And John takes 12 chapters to document what he saw for those three years. John will now take the next nine chapters to write about four days. He will slow down to a snail's pace, to just a crawl 
for these four days because these four days are so important. These are the last four days of Jesus' life and John doesn't want to miss anything. He doesn't want to leave out some little detail. He doesn't want to forget about something and so he will slow down and he will write for nine chapters, he will write about four days because the king, King Jesus, is about to go away but before he does, he pauses and he tells us everything that we need to know about life in the kingdom of God. So let me take you there, John 13, when we get there, Jesus and his disciples are in Jerusalem. There's a big party going on, there's a big celebration. It's the most important Jewish holiday, it's called Passover. And every year, Jews would flock to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And so the, the city is full of energy and it's full of people and it's chaotic. It's Times Square on New Year's Eve. It's shoulder to shoulder, just people everywhere. And it's loud and it's crazy. It's fun, it's enthusiastic, but Jesus wants some quiet time and space with his friends. And so he pulls the disciples aside. They go into a, a man's home, they actually borrow a man's dining room just so they can sit down as friends and they can have a meal. And they're eating that night and it's just like any other night, they're having a meal together until about halfway through the meal, Jesus gets up. He doesn't even excuse himself from the table. He just kind of gets up and wanders off and he goes to the kitchen. And he comes back and he's holding a pitcher of water and a towel. And one by one, he tells the disciples, his friends, to take off their shoes. He wants to wash their feet. Now, there's a couple things you need to know about this. It sounds really weird. It's not totally uncommon in this time. These guys are living uh, in a desert. They're walking around in the desert and they wear sandals. So their feet, pretty gross, right? So oftentimes before you go into someone's house, before you eat a meal, you have your feet washed. What's weird is that it's not usually a friend that would do it. It's usually a servant, someone who is a housekeeper or a butler who, who cares for for the home that would wash your feet. And so for Jesus to do it, it's odd because for a friend to do this, strange. Certainly for kind of your boss to do this, weird. So when Jesus goes, hey, Peter, bring over those hairy size 13s and slap them up on the table because I want to <laughs> give them a scrub. Like that's a weird deal. So I imagine the guys, I don't know, just starting to feel like, what's up, Jesus? Like. What's going on? Something's different today. You're acting weird. You're, you're not being yourself. Like, what's going on? Why are you washing our feet? It kind of disorients them. But what it does is it gets their attention. And Jesus needs their attention because what he's about to say, he doesn't want them to forget a single word of it. And John won't. He'll write down everything that is said and happens for the next four days. And we'll pick up the story in John chapter 13, starting in verse 33. Jesus speaking, here's what he says. He says, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I'm telling you now, where I am going, you cannot come. So something is changing. Jesus is going, up to this point, I've been with you. But now I'm going to leave you, and at least for now, where I'm going to go, you can't come with me. This is a turning point in the story. This is a shift in the story. We're going to find out that this is the beginning of Jesus' last words to his best friends. Here's how he starts. He says in verse 34, 
A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So I don't know. I read that and I think like, okay, he could have said anything. This is God. I mean, this is the son of God. This is the beginning of his final sermon. He's talking to his best friends. It's going to be epic. It's going to be some big, abstract, theoretical, esoteric like thing. Like these, he's going to give us the secret sauce to life. Here it is, some self-help tip that's going to make life easy. It's going to be awesome. And he looks around the room and he looks at his friends and he sees his buddies and he goes, here it is, love one another. And I don't know, it's kinda, for me, I'm like, it's a little underwhelming. Like, love one another? Like, that's the best you could come up with, Jesus? Like, I could have thought of that. Like, love one another? Jesus says, this is what will define people who are a part of my kingdom, is you will love one another. He's saying that a kingdom life is a life that is full of love. Step into the room. Sit down at the table. There's 12 people at that table. There's 12 people that you know better than anyone else. These are your coworkers. This is your small group. This is, this is your family. And Jesus does this thing where he, this weird thing, where he washes your feet. It raises the tension in the room because it's so out of place. It's so strange. But it gets your attention. And, and Jesus opens his mouth to speak. My children, he says. He says, guys, look around the room. Look at the person who's on your right. Look at the person who's on your left. Look at the person who's sitting across the table from you. Like, really look at them. See, he says, see, I'm, I'm going away. And each of you... Well, here's the deal. You're going to have some troubles in this life. You're going to go through some stuff. And you need to know that there are people by your side. You need to know that you're going to fall down, but that someone will grab you by the hand and pick you up and walk with you. And I've been that person so far, but I can't be that person right now for you. And so you need to know that you have someone who cares for you. You need to love each other because you're going to need each other. Jesus knew what the disciples would face. Eleven of the twelve would be martyred. They would be killed for following Jesus. John is the last man standing. He's the only one of them who's not murdered for following Jesus. These guys would be beaten. They'd be arrested. They'd be persecuted. But it's not just that. They, they would just go through normal lives. These guys are normal dudes. They have families. They have parents, they have wives, they have kids, they have jobs. Life is going to beat them up like it does you and like it does me. And Jesus is going, you need to know that the person next to you has your back. You need to know that the person across from you, that they support you. Church, just look around you for a minute. Some of the people next to you, the person a few rows in front of you, would you know if they were struggling? The person that's just a few rows in front of you, do, do you know that, that they feel like no one sees them? 
Even in a crowded room full of people, they feel all alone. Do you know that they just got through Christmas? It was horrible. It was their first Christmas where there was an empty seat at the dinner table. It was awful. Do you know that they have a relative who is sick and won't make it to the next Christmas? Do you know that their marriage is falling apart? Do you know that right before Christmas they lost their job but they haven't told their family yet. They just thought they'd get through the holidays first. Do you know that a person just a few rows behind you walked in here today and they don't know if they're going to keep going. They don't know if they have the strength. They've thought maybe this is it. Maybe this is the end. I don't want to do it anymore. That's what's happening in this room. It's like this little church. It's this small group and Jesus is going, you got to know each other. And you gotta love each other. And you gotta take care of each other. And each of you needs to know that the people around you love you. I think what he's saying is that if we have brothers and sisters in Christ, if there are people sitting next to us in church, sitting around us, that don't know they're loved, what are we doing? Like, what are we possibly doing? The kingdom life is a life that is full of love. But come back to that, because we're going to talk about what that love looks like. Jesus tells us, he says this, he says, okay, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Okay, so think of this whole scene and what's going on. This is why I told you this, right? Before this, this weird thing happens, he washes the disciples' feet. Sweaty, smelly, gross. Right after this, what's going to happen? Jesus is going to go and he's going to die on a cross. And sandwiched between these two things, right between these two things, he says these words, so love as I have loved you. He's demonstrating for us what love looks like. It's messy, it's dirty, it's sacrificial. He uses the word agape, it's a sacrificial kind of love. It means it's going to cost us something. It's not just words, talk is cheap. This is living out love. Imagine what these guys have seen. They've seen Jesus heal people. They've seen Jesus feed people. They've seen Jesus welcome and accept people that no one else would, prostitutes, criminals. And Jesus says, I did all of that so that you would have a model for what it looks like to love. I did all of that so that you would know what love really means. Church, I would ask you, do we love each other like that? I mean, really, do we put aside convenience and preference and our busyness to actually love each other? To love like Jesus loved in a way that hurts and in a way it costs us something? I mean, that's the picture that John is painting, that kind of love. It's really hard. But that's the picture he's painting of a kingdom life. It's a life of love. Now, lest we think that Jesus is just being soft, he's going, I'm, he's, he's going soft on truth and he's just warm and fuzzy Jesus. Listen to, to what he says, because here's what's at stake. He says in verse 35, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The love that we have for each other, for, especially for fellow Christ followers, for other Christians, the love that we have for each other 
tells the world that we're living in God's kingdom, that we are a part of God's kingdom. So right now, everybody's got a football team they're rooting for, right? How do you know what football team they're rooting for? They wear a ball cap or they wear a jersey, and it's like that's who they're a part of. That's what, what they represent. So how would someone know? Would they look at us and know that we're living in God's kingdom? Is it because we go to church or we got one of them little Jesus fish thing on our bumper sticker or on our bumper of our car? Or is it because of a sticker? Or is it because we, some of us maybe wear a cross or something around our neck? No, Jesus says it's because we love one another. And how we love each other tells people about how God loves them. That's what Jesus is saying. It's that important. It's not this warm and fuzzy, pie in the sky, love. No, it's this important that we care for each other, that it would communicate how much God loves people. There was a a scholar in the second century. He was a a pagan scholar outside of the church. And he, he wrote this, or he said this. He said, do you... Do you see these Christians? He says, do you see how much they love each other? There's something about the early church. He could see the church family loved each other. Yes, it was messy. Yes, they argued and had differences of opinions and all that. But even outside of the church, people could look at them and go, man, like they love each other. Like, don't you want to be a part of that? I want to be a part of that. I mean, if the church worldwide, if the church was known for that kind of love, for loving each other, its people that way, I think we'd have to tear down all the walls because we'd be overflowing with people in every church because people would be rushing to church, looking for that kind of love. You know, one of the reasons we're talking so much about the kingdom of God is we want to see the kingdom of God move. We want to see it move across the Lehigh Valley. We want to see it move across the globe. And over the last year, we announced some pretty major initiatives, things that we believe that God is leading Faith Church to. Uh, big stuff. We're going to start a, a counseling center. We're going to start a, a multi-site campus, another Faith Church campus. And we're going to uh, drastically increase our prayer ministry. We're going to go across the globe and meet a group of people who have never heard the name of Jesus and someday plant a church there and translate a Bible into their language. And it's big and it's exciting and fun and and also terrifying. But here's the thing. If we don't get this love thing right, if we can't as a church family care for each other well, if we're not doing this love thing, throw it out. Let's not do any of it. It's all pointless. Here's what Paul says about how much love matters. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men in 1 Corinthians 13, or of angels, but I don't have love, I'm a resounding gong, a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. If I have faith that I can move mountains, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, if I give over my body to hardship, even to be burned, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. I think all of us would say we want to be a church known by its love, but that starts with you and with me, individually. Do people people know there's something different about you? That you're a part of something, that you're a part of God's 
kingdom? Do they know it? Do they see it and feel it? Because your life is full of love. What kind of church do we want to be? What kind of people do we want to be? Jesus tells his disciples, I hope that when people see you, what they see is they see God's love because of how you care for each other, right? That people would look at the church, that people would look at Christ's followers, and they would experience God's love because we care for each other so well. And they go, man, I want to be a part of that. That's something different that I haven't seen before. Tell me the world doesn't need that right now. If people look at Christ followers and what they see is judgment and shame and fighting and condemnation, we're doing something wrong, folks, because Christ was never any of those things. And his command to us is to love the way that he loved. See, we can play church, but God's kingdom is is full of love, and you can't fake that. And so I would ask you again, church, what, what do we want to be known for? I want to leave you with a couple of quick things. We're just scratching the surface on this kingdom life thing. We're going to continue to talk about it. Let me just give you a, a couple of takeaways. One is simply this. Come back next week because we're going to keep talking about kingdom life and what it means to live and walk and experience God's kingdom and the joy and the peace and the purpose of God's kingdom. If you're here and you've never known peace and joy that exists in following Jesus, here's what I would tell you is that you're loved, and God simply says, just come and follow me. Come and find out a little bit more about me. Come and walk with me and see what I'm all about. And if we can be of encouragement, we can talk to you about what that looks like. We'd love to be able to do that. Church, I want to give you a question to think about this week, something to, to chew on. It's simply this. Do the people around you know that you love them? The people that you interact with, your coworkers, your, your, your small group, your neighbors, even your family, don't take it for granted. Do the people around you know that you love them? See, the men in that room that night, they knew when Jesus spoke, they knew that Jesus loved them and, and that his kingdom was full of love and it, it became contagious. So I'll just leave you with that, that challenge and that question is to think about that, to let that penetrate your heart and your mind this week. Do the people around you, do they know that you love them? Pray with me. God, thank you that, Father, thank you that you love us. We don't deserve it. But because you're good and you're gracious, you do. You love us. God, thank you that you loved us so much that it was not just words. Talk is cheap, but you put everything on the line to show us you so loved this world that you sent your son to die, that anyone who would believe in him would have life eternal with you. Jesus, thank you that you walked out love. You gave us a model of what it is to love, that it's messy and it's sacrificial. So we need your help to love like that because we can't do it on our own because 
we're selfish and we have our, we're driven by our own agendas, by our own desires. Help us, God. Help us to walk in love. Help us to be people who, when others look at us, they go, there's something different. There's something different. They love each other. Show us what it looks like to experience the peace and the purpose and the joy of walking in your kingdom. Jesus, I do thank you that you came and you loved us while we were still sinners, while we were still your enemy. You drew near to us in love and you lovingly went to the cross for us and paid everything for us so that you could be near to us. God, show us how to love. God, there are some of us here today that we don't feel loved. We need to feel loved. Bring someone into our lives. Walk someone into our lives. God, to show us that we're loved today even right now. God, remind us that you love us. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you that you lost your life so that we could have life. It's in your name we pray. Amen.